Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Welcome back, folks, to WP Tonic Roundtable Show. We record this every Friday at 8.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. I've got a small but powerful panel there and I've rustled up some topics, so I think it should be a good show. Um, Sally, would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? Certainly. My name is Sally Getch and my business is WP Fangirl because I am and I'm the organizer of the East Bay WordPress Meetup in Oakland, California. Great. And I've got John Locke, my friend John. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, John Locke, doing uh, SEO for manufacturing and industrial <laughs> companies every day on YouTube. That's right. And I've got Chris. Chris, would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? I'm Chris from Lifter LMS, which is a WordPress solution for creating, selling, and protecting engaging online courses. Our vision is to lift up others through education. That's what we're all about. And we also have a podcast for course creators called LMS Cast. And we've had the star of the show join us. Uh, that's right. ADD Kitty is, is in the house. That's the only reason why people watch this. Uh, um, it's the kid, it's the cats. Uh, um, if I had a cat channel, I'd be, I'd be quite wealthy. Uh, we um, a lot of competition, let me tell you. Uh, you can't watch enough cats. It's true. There, there aren't enough. Yes. Come here, sweetie. Yes. There's endless demand for it. Yeah. Oh, God. Jesus. Uh, before we go into the video, before we go into the main part of the show, I want to talk about one of our great sponsors, and that's Kinster Hosting. What is Kinster Hosting? Well, they only host WordPress websites. And if you're looking for performance, um, Kinster's the host for you. Um, basically, if you've got a membership site, WooCommerce, learning management system, and you're looking for you, or you need a bit of performance for your clients or for yourself, Kinster is where I suggest that you should go to. Um, WP Tonic's been hosting their own site on Kinster. The WP Tonic site is a pretty large site now with a lot of content on it. Um, and it works flawlessly on Kinster. And the other thing you get is a superb UX design. With all the bells and whistles, you can select what PHP, which means your site's going to be faster. One-click backup, um, staging site, all the bells and whistles. Plus, you get the power of Google Cloud. Plus, you get a fantastic support team that really know what they're talking about. You don't have to be passed around before you find somebody that knows what they're talking about. Their frontline staff are some of the best in the industry. So, if that sounds interesting, go over to Kinster, sign up for your clients or for yourself, and tell them that you heard about it on WP Tonic. Right on to the first story, and that's um, WP Campus 2019 live stream. So they're starting today. Um, hopefully, I will publish this on YouTube um, so people will be able to see it before that. that sh- What do you reckon, Chris, about this? I think it's really cool seeing WP Campus grow up over the years and evolve. Um, I was just thinking yesterday how live streaming is kind of the new webinar, uh, which is interesting. I'm I'm glad to see more 
people putting on live events and workshops and trainings doing live streaming because that's really how a lot of people want to consume it. In terms of the content itself, uh, it's great to see all this action inside <laughs> WordPress moving into education. As an example, I noticed they just, uh, as since they acquired uh, Automatic acquired WooCommerce, they also inherited the Sensei plugin. And they're starting to put more development into that. They put that into uh, the core Sensei plugin as a free plugin on the repo, which is cool. But looking at all this, um, well, yeah, can, of, I, can, I, can I just interrupt? Uh, yeah. What do you think is going on? Because it looked like that was going to die. You know, they hadn't actively done much development on that for. And that that had languished pretty badly for. You a while. know, I thought it was just going <laughs> to. Are you saying that it looks like they're going to start? you know, putting some development hours into it. Well, there has to be a reason that they put it for free on the WordPress repository. Um, well, I and, thought that, that, that could be a sign that they're just thinking, you know, we can't be bothered to do anything with ourselves. We're just going to let the community have access to it. And it could be. It could be. I don't, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, but, I mean, I don't think Automatic would send a plug-in to the repo to die. I don't, th it just doesn't seem like Die, die. They, they may be sending it there as, as more of a market test. Is there enough interest for us to really, you know, pick this up and take it somewhere? It can be a lead gen for WooCommerce too. I mean, it's a smaller use case, like LMS is a smaller use case for general WooCommerce, but um, it's interesting. But getting, getting back to the story, uh, you know, publishing, like using WordPress is not just a publishing platform, which definitely a university needs a marketing site and blogs and the departments within universities need all those things. But when I look at this, I, I keep coming back and I've, I've followed WP Campus over the years that a lot of it is about building the site and managing digital assets and helping departments publish. The number one function of a university is or in my opinion, should be like the learning. And I don't see, I, w I would like to see more stuff uh, around using WordPress to teach as opposed to administration and marketing and the selling of degrees and classes and organizing all this content because it's just a big opportunity, especially as we see pressure put on the university system financially and with what's going on with student loan debt for universities to go into more blended models with more distance learning opportunities, more open online learning opportunities that could perhaps reach the entire world at a competitive price. Well, I'd, um, I'd like to see more of that here. Well, I think you're spot on there. And I've mentioned it three or four times. I don't want to become like a, a record. Um, but there, there is a model for this that's actively was established in the 60s, and Sally will probably know about this. And this is the, um, it's in the UK, and it's called the Open University. I knew some people who talked uh, about And it's, it's built up. Um, thousands of people have um, got degrees and uh, masters and PhDs by joining the, the Open University at, one-fifth of the cost of a normal university. Um, the only thing is the establishment um, make these courses drag out for about twice as long as a normal degree. So yeah. it's, it becomes a marathon, you know, literally to get a degree and a master's, you're looking at nine years or something. You know, some people die before they get their degree. And that has to be looked at because the establishment education really doesn't 
Um, it's a bit, you know, edu- higher education in Britain is pretty snotty anyway, but they look on the open university um, really snottily. But fun- but it's not really about that because they know that it could be a, a real threat to the the establishment, Chris. So they make these courses go on forever, if you understand, Chris. But look at that. Look at it if you've got a spare moment. The Open University, Chris, and you'd be. I'll check that out. So, what do you reckon, John? Yeah, the the WP campus. I mean, I think it's a, a great thing, and it serves a a real need. And you know, I, I just think back one of one of the very first meetups that I went to in WordPress uh, was some people that that rebuilt the Sacramento State University. Uh, website and a lot of people don't realize, but the, the way that these universities and and the colleges and work is each uh, section of the site, each department has free reign to build uh, a site how they see fit, as long as it fits into the the greater site. So you have all these mishmashed solutions. So having a consistent uh, CMS, whether it's like WordPress or Drupal or something else, is it, it makes it a lot easier as far as organization and it presents the entire brand of the university or the college in a lot more consistent way. Yes, what are you writing, Sally? Um, well, I think it's really interesting because you know back when I was actually teaching university. Uh, the web was a fairly new thing, and um, it was completely a matter of, oh, well, there was sort of a university website, and, you know, if you wanted something up there for your department, you just, like, went to computer services and, and said, hey, we want a website for our department, and, and you know, there was, there was no consistent plan, and I think, you know, in terms of the conference, well, they do need to think about all of that overall. Uh, how are we going to structure this? But then uh, it is about, you know, well, how are you actually going to use it? Are you going to use this to, you know, support your live classes, to extend them, to to continue them on? I mean, it is, uh, you know, very different. You, you can record lectures and um, <clears throat> lots of, of universities do this on things like, you know, iTunes University. But that's a fairly small part of what's involved in the course. Uh, is you know the part where, where the instructor gets up and 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 talks and to then sort of recreate all of the activities you're doing live in the classroom into an LMS um, is pretty uh, is pretty time consuming and well, of course, uh, you, you have uh, to remember that all the faculty are not rewarded in the least for teaching. Yeah, um, only promoted on the basis of what you publish. Yeah, but I think you you were really spot on. Um, you said time, but which is correct, but actually it's time and money, isn't it? Um, I think one of the problems with because on online courses, are, when it comes to higher education, I, I don't know if you would agree with this, Sally. I, I kind of I get the impression they're treated as the kind of Cinderella of real real classes and I think that's partly developed because initially it was seen taking physical courses and putting them online was seen as a way of saving money and it couldn't be it couldn't be any different it probably 
will cost more money to effectively put a course online than having a reasonably effective education. But you'd be able, you know, it's a lot more convenient for the students and you can have larger groups of students and avoid this being lost in an enormous um, lesson room with hundreds of students. What do you reckon, Sally? Am I talking sense? Or it, it, I do think that when people consider using the web or computers to save money, they're in for a big surprise. Um, you know, they let you do things that you could not otherwise do, but it, it does not mean that you necessarily need less human effort or less time or less money or, or, or any of those things. Um, I think that there is just a lot of snobbery in higher education generally. So, you know, the uh, <clears throat> the oldest universities looked down on the red bricks of the 60s and they looked down on the polyversities and then there's the, you know, and it's, it's kind of the same thing. It's like, well, there is a process of, you know, accreditation and degrees and, and work. Um, <clears throat> but... Uh, you know, I think in a lot of cases, it's all of that just happens because, you know, people want some kind of a claim to a feeling of superiority. But in terms of, you know, making it work, it is, it is a challenging thing to do and to try to decide, well, what is it here that matters? And it's sort of like, well, I would have liked to watch the, you know, the live stream, except, you know, there was other stuff to do. And if I'm not physically in a place where that's the only thing I can do it's easier not to do it. And, and people, you know, yeah. this may apply to, to courses. I, Chris will know a lot more than I do about the like relative completion rate of people who sign up for online courses versus, uh, you know, go to, to live ones. It's, yeah, been studied, it's uh, 10%. Like that's like by the data, it's 10%, which is a huge problem in the online training industry. Yeah, and do you think that's one of the reasons why um, established education um, establishments like universities or anything in higher education there. Do you think I was right that they kind of see online or they did see online education as a kind of Cinderella and they just saw it as a cut, cost-cutting mechanism initially? Well, with, I, I think oh, there's a view that it's less. Yeah, you're asking. You want to talk to Chris. I'm sure I've talked enough. Yeah, well, I think I think it's coming uh, from multiple angles. So I do see, like, for example, I have friends in, like, who have gone through really respected university executive MBA programs. And what the teachers do is they're often using online education, blending it in with very short durations of actual time in the classroom because these are busy executives who are already out in the workforce trying to improve. So they're, they're embracing it in a blended model, which is going to help fight that 10% completion rate thing. And, but what, what I do believe we're going to see is the innovation and the adoption is not going to come from the Ivy League or the big names or the big brands. It's going to come from like tier four universities, um, colleges that are going to get disrupted first as they lose market share and the downward pressure, both in the private and the public sector. That's where it's going to happen. And it's, uh, it's going to happen first. It's just going to be one of those situations where the pain of doing what we've always done is going to be greater than embracing online and then working collectively on the problem of completion rates, both by choosing good tools that help with engagement and also helping teachers uh, bridge as instructional designers to creative, effective programs that can work through the internet. 
All right, Em. Let's go on to story two. Should tech companies be worried about the DOJ's antitrust review? What, what do you reckon about this one, John? Yeah, so they mentioned four companies. Uh, the big four, as Scott Galloway would say, they mentioned Google, Facebook, Apple, Amazon. I think Apple probably is is doesn't have too much to worry about with antitrust. Um, I know that Google right now is in the middle of a antitrust lawsuit with Yelp, uh, and and that's one of the many reasons why you see Yelp, uh, you know, in, near the top of the rankings in, in Google for a lot of local search. Uh, I think probably Google and Facebook and Amazon would be the most affected by this. I mean, Amazon. If you look at it like this, like Amazon in itself, every everybody uses it. All three of the all three of these companies. They have something that most companies don't have, which is people use them on a daily basis. You can't think of, you know, doing a web search without thinking of Google. You know, almost everybody is on Facebook. And I mean, I know some people who are, are getting rid of Facebook, but still, a lot of your friends and family are probably on Facebook. And that's well, you know, I was looking at some figures yesterday. Their yeah. growth uh, hasn't slowed down. It's quite spectacular. Yeah, and even with getting hit with that six billion dollar fine, I mean their stock price is still going up. So obviously, it went, it went up by one yeah. percent, didn't it? When they, yeah, they're yeah. they're obviously turning money hand over fist. Um, and Amazon too. I mean, you you look at what they do. They have intentionally. Um, well, here's the thing: when they go into cities, and I actually sat in a chamber of commerce meeting where the city planner for Sacramento was telling us exactly how these things work when you're bidding to get like an Amazon HQ, like a big, you know, facility like that. Of course they bid on it. But what happens is you give them all these tax breaks. Uh, basically they're not paying any taxes at all. Um, you know, Amazon is, is looking at all the, you know, the city infrastructure. They actually said that they didn't, they were eliminated from the consideration because, uh, some of the people, they were on the, uh, the, the public, transport like the buses and the light rail and um i guess there's too many homeless people or something like that and so that's why they didn't want to uh come here but um amazon i mean to me look they get billions in tax breaks um you know that's how they built their empire they don't pay any dividends out to the shareholders they put all of it back into growth and they're they're what they're doing is trying to eliminate all other competitors, but everybody uses Amazon to, to, to buy stuff. I mean, you, you don't think of, of buying stuff without being on Amazon. Those three companies really, uh, to me and, and, and Facebook too, because they own WhatsApp, which is super popular um, everywhere, like outside the U S um, people use that basically to communicate um, <laughs> like it, everyday communication. Instagram is owned by uh, uh, Facebook. I mean, it, but I don't think that there's going to be antitrust lawsuits that affect these companies because this is where most of the um, growth is coming from. The GDP growth in the United States is coming from these tech companies and coming from Silicon Valley. So I don't think that it'll really, I don't, I think they might get a slap on the wrist, but I don't think they'll do anything like in the 70s and the 80s when they broke up the uh, phone company. I don't think anything like that'll happen though i think there's going to be a push for it yeah um before i pass it over to chris um 
I kind of, I'm in two hearts here. I, I agree with you. I can't really see any effective movement to break these up in the Senate, the present administration. I see more of a threat from the uh, European Commission more than anything. But on, there's a part of me that says that this just cannot continue. This is so anti-competitive behaviour from these companies that in the end their days must be numbered. So I'm in a very contradictory position. What do you reckon, Chris? Uh, I'm not as bullish on the antitrust situation. I think we've seen this before in society, like with Walmart. As Amazon mentions, uh, they do a lot less volume than Walmart currently. And I don't like seeing, well, personally, I don't like seeing Walmart come into a town and put the little guys out of business like they've done for the, a long time. But they offer cheaper prices. They improve the supply chain. They have more options. There are real reasons to go shop at Walmart, who has consolidated and you know made more products available at cheaper price, which then causes innovation in the local business community where they have to either really get super niche or go high-end boutique or just figure out some kind of unique offer. So it actually kind of drives innovation. This thing, And now we're seeing this in the tech space. If you don't want to use Google, you can use DuckDuckGo. You can go to Yahoo. You can go to Bing. There are other options on the table. If you don't like Apple, you can go to Android. If you don't like Amazon, like I buy stuff on Amazon, but I buy, you know, random stuff from other online retailers too. And I think that even though some of these companies are quite massive, I think they could still be disrupted by entrepreneurs and general movements in society as well. So I like having a free market economy. I think where we have to be really careful and focus the attention is just on issues around ethics and privacy and, uh, and, and really helping support innovation that could disrupt these other big players because all businesses have a life cycle. And I don't think, I mean, even these big ones will be disrupted one day. We don't know when that's going to be, but it's going to happen. It always happens. Right. What do you reckon, Sally? I think Chris is, is probably right about, you know, eventually some kind of, of disruption is, is going to come along and, and you know, this tends to, by its nature, disruption comes tends to come from places you don't expect it. Um, you know, I'm a little cynical on the subject of, of antitrust just having seen what happened with the... Um, uh, you know, with the phone companies that, that uh, you know, we had some splintering and then we had some reforming. And, and I think I shared with you guys a while ago that, you know, old cartoon from, from Bloom County about the, you know, <laughs> that here, here, here comes, you know, Ma Bell back as, as AT&T. And um, so I, you know, I'm not sure how much good it does when that stuff is broken up. I think there's, reason to be concerned about some of the behavior. But I also think, I mean, you know, we just saw that, uh, you know, Facebook is getting fined, you know, $5 billion or, or, or something. And, you know, they, they can survive that. I mean, you know, if they got a fine like that every month, they might run in, in, into trouble. But, that, you know, they, they might perfectly well just adopt a uh, policy of, you know, building, well, we're going to need to pay some fines into their budget and, and, you know, carry on doing just what they've been doing. All right, on to the next story. WP Graph QL for Advanced Custom Fields now available for free. And I've got my co-host and my other podcast, Adrian, has just joined us. Um, Adrian, what did you think of this story? 
Well, it's always good when um, when stuff becomes free. Uh, it just goes to promote like the the general open sourceness of the WordPress community. So that's all well and good. Uh, I've actually never heard of this plugin though until okay. reading this article. Um, I'm more familiar with uh, advanced custom post types and yeah. and the the products from those guys, which uh, have uh, significantly, I think, probably larger customer base than than this one does. But hey. I, th- I, I think the, the reasoning behind it is that maybe it was a, a competition issue. Maybe there's some interest stuff that has to be embedded in there. Uh, but they, uh, I, think, I think they're just probably going to use it as a lead magnet now and, and use it as a way to gain customers because uh, the advanced custom post types is definitely more popular. Oh, I thought it was that. Do you know about this, Sammy? Um, I don't know a lot. I was reading about it um, you know, a couple of days ago when the announcement first came out that... Um, it's it, it's interesting, you know. He's he's been hired by Gatsby to work on WP GraphQL, and that just like makes my brain like go into little <laughs> little, little swirls. But um, why is that? Is, is Gatsby is a sort of not WordPress um, <laughs> kind of uh, uh, CMS. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> But uh, you know, it's a, it's a static site generator, which I've you know sort of looked at and, and not used. Um, but uh, you know, this is one of those indicators that, well, you know, the ability to make something available for free tends to depend on having an other income source. Yeah. And so, you know, just as, you know, we've seen this argument about contributing, that if you really want to be a, a major contributor to WordPress, there's got to be somebody paying for that. Yeah. Do um, John or Chris, do you want to add anything to this or should I go on to the next story? No, no yeah. go ahead. All right. I'm going to go for our break, folks. When we come back, I've got some more stories. We'll be back in a few moments. Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up to date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no question asked, 30 day money back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com. Just like the podcast. We're coming back. Got a good panel. We've had some good discussions. Um, on to the next story. Um, and that's the CRFs wars between Fox Media and the Washington Post. What what draw you to this story, Sally? Well, I'm, I'm always curious about, you know, content management systems and, and so on. And, and in this case, these are two, uh, you know, these two major uh, media outlets are, we're trying to find particular content management systems uh, that would support some things that they were doing. So in, in one case, you know, there's a lot of uh, video subscription that they wanted done and, and so on. But, they're, you know, also looking at, I can't remember if it's this article or another one, you know, building in uh, alternative ways of, of uh, tracking and collecting data that, that you know, don't use cookies. Um, and I had not heard of either of these content management systems. And it's a reminder 
that, you know, there are a bunch of sort of enterprise type CMSs out there that we don't necessarily hear about a lot because it takes, you know, a lot of investment and then a lot of, I mean, the Washington Post has a whole team for, for this and then they've built, you know, a bunch of products on, on top of it. And so it's, you know, this is not the, uh, this is not your grandma's CMS. It is not the do-it-yourselfer. Uh, I'm just going to toss up a blog kind of a, a CMS and that there are still use cases uh, for those, <clears throat> for those kinds of, of systems. Yeah, um, I'm going to put this over to Chris in a sec. But Chris, I, I'm really not following this. You know, I, I really, unless you really think it's going to build a real competitive edge by investing the enormous amounts of money that this is going to require, why you would do this when there's quite, you know, already proven open source solutions. I'm really not following the logic. Can you, can you put some light on upon why they would consider this or do you think they've been a little bit foolish? Um, I think there's still some trust to be earned about, you know, open source CMS and there's in the, some bigger business world. I mean, I know there's enterprise companies on WordPress and embracing open source, but there's a lot in big business. There's still a lot of a need for proprietary and, and locking down. And I think that's all this is. Uh, it, and, but I don't think that's the way of the future. I, I don't see it as a good play for the companies. No, I just I just see it as a terrible idea, really. What do you reckon, Adrian? What did you reckon about this story? Um, I'm actually uh, in, uh, currently messaging my my girlfriend who went and did an interview for CP24, which is a local news station here in Toronto, and uh, uh, they had their own uh, CMS that was requested that they uh, learn, and in the the CMS is that these newsrooms and uh, major content producers uh, are pretty advanced, much beyond like the, the WordPress space. Uh, we're talking like tens of millions of dollars into development because it's not only just like page, uh, page content, but all of the content that is distributed onto the website can also be distributed uh, directly into the video feed for a live broadcast, as well as the ticker tape that you usually see at the bottom of news broadcasts. Uh, and that stuff is quite extensive. And there seems to be like a, like a raging competition into the one that she was requested to know uh, and and a few others and they're all kind of like vying for a, a majority stake in in the newsroom space to become the 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 ultimate solution and it's all uh, the one that this one was was actually cloud-based so it wasn't like a self-hosted solution like WordPress is uh, so they're all kind of vying for 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 that area but that that's the only personal experience that I really have in this was was yeah. that one it's called iNews that's what it's called all right. uh, it's called iNews and that is a, the, the CMS of choice for um, uh, to the I think it's city uh, city news here in Toronto is the, is the holding company yeah. I mean there, there are certain aspects of, of things you know asset management programs uh, tools for where you want to be able to you know, collect your content in one place and publish it out to a lot of other places simultaneously and, and WordPress has a ways to go in in interoperability with some of those systems. I think it could be done, and I think it possibly could especially be done, you know, given the... Well, uh, we had the... You were moved here, toward headless, but... missed last week, but we were discussing um, a story in the tavern which uh, about news um, rooms 
you know, being able to get free hosting and being offered a, a bursary, initial bursary from a spin-off from Automatic aimed at newsrooms. Um, John, what do you reckon, you know, from last week's story and then you come across this? I just think it's semi, almost semi-bonkers myself to build well, your own CRM see, see, in 2019. What enterprises yeah. do. It's like if it doesn't cost $100,000 a year, it can't be worth anything. Yeah. Well, Obviously, there's got to be some sort of money in it because, as you mentioned last week, we were talking about Newspack, which is Automatic's <clears throat> venture with Google. Google has pitched in money to that. We'll talk more about Automatic in the next story, um, it, what they're doing. But I found it fascinating that that Vox has a CMS that they that they just put on the market last year called Chorus. And the Washington Post has their own CMS called Arc, which they think they can grow to a hundred million dollar um, revenue stream. And I I think that that's what they need to do uh, is have revenue streams that are not just advertising, uh, because as you've seen, like a lot of a lot of uh, media companies, online media companies have, have just fallen off because. It's not a reliable uh, stream. So I think it's actually a smart move. And obviously there's some money in it because, like I said, Automatic is building their own product for that too. So there's something there. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, thanks for that. Well, then, on to the next story. A tale of two WordPress hosts. It's a story that's bounced around. It was published... Um, last year, but then it's re-emerged again, this um, this actual post. So I'll start off with John again. Um, so what did you think of this one, John? All right, so this one mentions, um, so they show a graph here of, of companies in the WordPress space that have taken VC money. It looks like there was a big surge in 2014, um, and then again, it starts up in 2018. And one of the companies here that was mentioned, Flywheel, that took VC money, they've actually were just acquired by WP Engine. WP Engine took a small round in order to do that. Um, so, And Automatic is actually the company that's taken the most VC money, which should tell you something about the decisions that are being made. Not by much, though, only by 4%. Yeah, so they've got it. So WP Engine, and they've acquired like other stuff like Genesis and all these other things, but they're going to have to to make explosive growth because uh, that's what's happening. I think at Automatic too, all the people, all the VCs that invested in that WordPress is becoming basically like they're trying to become Squarespace. That's exactly what's happening because the whole terminology, like blocks, all that, that's from Squarespace. Um, I think it's a, a testament that the companies out there, and the only two that, that I can think of off the top of my head, but Kinsta and Pagely are completely bootstrapped. They're cell phone. They don't owe VCs anything, so they control their own destiny. I think that's awesome. Uh, this other company in here that they mentioned, uh, what was it, Sova? I had never heard of them. I actually looked them up. They're in, they're in Asia. That's what that is. No, but there is a host of other small. It's really it's dominated by a, a few major players, but there are a host of really minor. You know, the, and then you got a few, you know, SiteGround, Kinsta, 
um, page, you know, you've got a few, like three or four medium size, a lot of memos, and then a couple really mega. What do you reckon about this one, Chris? I, I love this this kind of stuff because I'm I'm not I'm a bootstrapper myself, but I'm not like anti VC or anything like that. So I like seeing the contrast of a Pagely and a WP Engine. I've used both. I at Lifter LMS we use Pagely to host all our sites. Before that, we hosted on WP Engine. Before that, we did it ourselves on the Amazon Cloud. We've kids, kids <laughs> and. And uh, we've been extremely happy with Pagely and we've had the best performance from them at a cheaper price. However, some of my personal projects I do have on WP Engine and love that. In the Lifter LMS community, we recommend only four. Why are you going against my beloved spot? I'm getting ready to give it a plug. In, in our community, I get asked all the time to make hosting <laughs> recommendations and I give people four. It's Pagely. Kinsta, WP Engine, and then SiteGround if you're on a budget. And that's it. Um, personally, uh, we had a better support and overall experience with Pagely for a large high-traffic e-commerce site like Lifter LMS. Uh, but I also missed some of the features of WP Engine, like the one-click staging and some other stuff that they have. And I'm very happy with WP Engine at you know, for some smaller personal projects and a lot of our users are happy with it. But I think this just goes to show, I was at a meetup, a small meetup in Maine with Matt Mullen was that. And I remember him saying that most of the money in the WordPress economy goes to the hosting companies. So to see this, you know, they've got the monthly recurring revenue, they've got the lock-in, it's really hard to move. Uh, and now we can like, have, now this chart really breaks it down. It just shows where most of the money in the WordPress economy is, is uh, flowing there. So it's just, I just find it really interesting. And it's very different for, you know, plug-in and theme companies and stuff like that that are usually working more on an annual recurring basis. It, you can think about the big, the easier business opportunity is in managed WordPress hosting with the monthly recurring revenue. And I'm glad there's just healthy kind of two models going on here from the bootstrapper to the VC backed. That's what I'm trying to do. Well, there's always something to my madness, isn't there, Chris? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. My little way. Agent, what did you think of this? I think that I should get into the hosting business is what I think. Uh, <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> um, You've got, you got, you got a very good opportunity. <laughs> did you realize that? Uh, I wish I could get a $250 million VC check, but you know, like, like Chris was saying, you, you lose, uh, you, or no, I think was a genre one as other genre, Chris said, uh, you lose, uh, control when you give way to, to, to VCs. So I'm, uh, like my business is currently bootstrapped and it's looking like it's going to go, uh, that way to the future. We haven't taken on any like, uh, interest capital, uh, as of yet, but, um, there, that's not to say that it's like a terrible idea. Uh, no, it isn't, but you just got to no. understand what you're getting yourself into, really. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, just to add to the hosting conversation, though, about, about really good hosts, um, I, I actually switched over to, I, and, um, I belong to a WordPress as a service group on Facebook, and they essentially provide plugins and trainings for people who want to build Squarespace for, for WordPress where you like sign up and you get your subdomain and you can set it up on a multi-site essentially. Uh, and they all use uh, the, the new Google 
managed WordPress hosting. I'm not sure if you're familiar. It's called Clost, uh, C-L-O-S-T-E. Uh, and I run all of my uh, my stuff on that, our AWS communication and the, the e-commerce site and the doc site, all for relatively inexpensively uh, using the Google service. Although uh, when Google goes down, so does that. If anybody remembers when Google Cloud went down last month, uh, my sites were all down for like three hours, which wasn't great, but it is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. What do you reckon, Sally? Uh, uh, hosting is one of the businesses I have never wanted to go into. Um, and I think that, you know, with these companies, the, the, they know why they've made the choices they have in terms of, of pursuing or not pursuing uh, VC funding. Uh, and, you know, if those are, are the right choices for them, then, you know, they're going to be fine. You know, Pagely is, is doing well in one way and WP Engine is doing well in another way. And, you know, with everything, too much growth can, or too, growth that's too rapid has risks. Uh, but, it, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that, oh, they've taken VC money, everything's going to, you know, go to hell in a handbasket either. Yeah, true thing. On to the last story, and a sad story. Um, Blade Runner star. How do you pronounce his name, Sally? Uh, let me go back and take a look at that. Um, uh, I would say, whoops, uh, Rutger Hauer, um, but I would have to ask Stefan because sometimes the... Uh, the German and the Dutch pronunciation of things are a little different. Yes, but... And I don't actually speak Dutch. Yeah, I don't either. Um, I, well, I do speak Dutch. I, uh, I showed that yesterday, didn't I, Adrian? Uh, <laughs> uh, um, but Blade Runner, Ruka Hula, died at 75, but his monologue will live on forever. I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. Attack ships on fire on the sh- shoulder of Orion. I watch sea beams in the dark near the terrace gate. All those moments will be lost in time. They're like tears in rain. Blimey, he was supposed to have wrote that um, just before he said it. What do you reckon, Chris? Were you a fan of Blade Runner? Yeah, I've always been a big fan of using science fiction to explore the future. And when you go back and look at old science fiction movies like Blade Runner, like 2001, A Space Odyssey, and there's so many, Terminator, uh, <laughs> there's, there's always, uh, I think the creative mind and the storyteller can go to places and play with rea- future realities in an experimental way that can sometimes expose innovation opportunities, but also expose risks we should be concerned with. In terms of the singularity, when the machines come more pop, become more powerful than the humans, according to Ray Kurzweil, whenever that's coming. Um, or will they become more human than the humans? Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's interesting, and uh, I just hope that the storytellers of today continue to explore that because we can often go out further in our imagination than we can on a spreadsheet. And uh, I think this also just goes to show the power of a good story. So this is a timeless classic and these stories really kind of put a fingerprint on, you know, pop culture and movements. So it's just, that's just a marketing lesson there. The power of a good story, man versus machine is always a, a good one. Yeah, he was a great actor, and I saw some of these interviews. He seemed a, a reasonably humble man. Um, 
that that took his profession seriously, but not too seriously, if you understand what I mean. What do you reckon about the film and this particular scene, John? Yeah, it's a very memorable scene. Um, Blade Runner, of course, a, a uh, iconic movie in, in science fiction, particularly about uh, computer intelligence. You know, uh, you know, famously like uh, Roger Howard is one of the replicants. Um, Sean Young's character is is also. Uh, it's very and and a lot of people think that Harrison Ford's character is too. Uh, very interesting. I'll always remember Rutger Hauer, um, not only from that scene, but uh, one of the very um, first movies that my uh, dad exposed me to was The Hitcher. Rutger oh, Hauer and the Yeah, yeah, very, very interesting. Yes, so yeah, that's a, I'll always remember that. So great actor, I love him. So what do you reckon, Adrian? What did you think of this particular scene or Blade Runner in general? I echo the sentiments of uh, all of the comments thus far. I've always been more of a Star Trek person. Never really been a big, huge fan of the dystopian, bleak futurism. I always like uh, Gene Roddenberry's version of the future. Just space exploration, everybody's getting along. At peace with the Klingons. But uh, in, it's, a, you know, it's a good scene. It's a good movie. If you haven't watched it, go watch it. What do you reckon, Sally? Any final thoughts? Uh, you know, I didn't watch Blade Runner until sometime after it it had had come out. I, yeah, I'm not so much into the into seeing dystopian movies, but I agree with Chris that you know science fiction is not simply an interesting way to explore the future. Uh, it's an interesting way to explore the present, um, and that this is a sort of common technique in in fiction is if we set the same kinds of problems we're having in a sufficiently different situation that we can get some distance about it. We can, you know, kind of explore the topic without having all of our, our reflexes and biases necessarily kick in. Yeah. yeah I'm not going to go into it, but I think one of the factors that I think makes the scene powerful is obviously his character is a psychopathic murderer. Um, that's been genetically designed to be a killer. And during the film, he he does a number of, of very violent murders. But um, Ridley Scott, and in this final scene, you actually feel compassion and empathy for a character which you wouldn't normally... So in almost three less than three minutes, he manages to dramatically twist your feeling towards a character dramatically. And there's not many directors or many scenes in such a short period can turn a plot of a film almost on its head. So that's one of the reasons why I think it's a fantastic scene, because it really turns your empathy onto a character which is pretty a pretty dark character during the rest of the film, which I think is pretty amazing. So on to our picks. And I know, um, um, panel, if you've got picks, can you put them in the chat for me as well? It just helps me. I know you put them in the Slack channel, but if you can put them in the chat, that would help. So uh, our panel recommendations, and my recommendation is WP Core. And what is WP Core? It enables you to assemble um, plugins in the depository or other plugins that you get, commercial plugins, and store them in your own 
lockdown libraries and by installing the WP Core plugin, you can suck in um, 20, 30 plugins all, all in one go. And if you're setting up a lot of websites for clients and you're putting on the same set of um, plugins, it re which I'm doing a lot of the time, it really saves an enormous amount of time and effort. And I use it regularly every week. Um, there's a couple of other services, but there are um, specific reasons it, it, that I like this one because of the flexibility and the ease of use. And it's very competitively priced. You can get it for $50 a year. But it saves me bags and bags of time. Um, Sally, have you got anything to recommend the listeners and viewers? I do actually have a, a recommendation for this week. It's called uh, Visual Sitemaps, visualsitemaps.com. I, I just uh, discovered it yesterday. And, um, uh, you know, I like uh, mind maps and visual representation. <coughs> Of things and what this does is it basically creates a mind map of, of screenshots of the pages on a website. I, I personally don't need the screenshots that much. I just would like to like you know easily be able to translate you know an XML sitemap or an HTML sitemap into you know something visual. Uh, but it, it it is a cool tool. The thing that annoys me slightly is all of their who is this for pictures because obviously only hipsters uh, uh, are um, you know developers or uh, uh, design leads or it's kind of like oh look it's the mythical 10x engineer. Um, but go check it out. You may find it uh, useful. And they do have a, a fairly limited free plan, and, and I'm kind of making up my mind about whether it's going to be worth paying for. Yes. John, got anything you want to recommend to the viewers and listeners? Yeah, so I found something. I, I was listening to a uh, another YouTube show, and, and something they said really quick, it like caught my attention. So I like was scrolling back, and I was like, wow, what's this? And I Googled it up. And I found this page. It's uh, cloud.google.com slash natural dash language. And if you hear people talking about the entity graph, you hear people talking about Google knows what entities are and all this stuff. What this is, is a peek inside to how the machine learning and how Google perceives entities. So what you can do, copy, paste, copy, uh, like any page, paste it in here in this text, and there's four different tabs. There's one that's entities, and it'll show you the entire text, and it shows the different entities in that page, how Google scores them with uh, salience, a salience score, meaning what they think the page is about uh, in a score, and then it'll either mark it as like person, organization, uh, work of art, consumer good, other. Uh, and then the there's another tab that shows sentiment. So it breaks everything down into sentences. And then it gives it a score of positive or negative sentiment. And then it gives you an overall magnitude score. So like the, the longer the page, the bigger the magnitude is going to be. Syntax shows how Google breaks down sentences and tries to understand it. Very fascinating. And then the last one tab is categories, where it gives it a score between zero and one of the confidence of what category this page is about. 
So if you're actually creating content for a page and you're trying to dial it in and, and trying to figure out like why certain pages are above yours, or this will be an insight into how Google actually processes that information. Well, you lost me there a little bit, but I can't help it. Look, yeah. you, used some, you used some buzzwords there. I kind of thought I was bad enough, but there was a few there. Um, Chris, got anything you like to recommend to the listeners' viewers? Yeah, first I'd like to thank John because I just ran my homepage at lifterlms.com to copy through that, and I was, it was really neat to see what's going on. So thanks for that. Uh, my tip is actually a page on the Lifter LMS website called lifterlms.com forward slash recommended dash resources. We get asked over and over and over again to make recommendations for other tools that people need for things like form plugins, hosting, other plugins that have specifically developed Lifter LMS integration. So we, we, and it can be a little overwhelming and people can end up going down rabbit holes, getting the wrong tools and so on. Never, never. never. So that, we put it, that couldn't possibly happen. Never. So we put that together. You'll notice at the very top is the hosting one, which we recommend Pagely, WP Engine, Kinston, SiteGround, which we were talking about earlier. But if you are building an online course or a training-based membership website with WordPress, this one page on our website can save you a lot of time and give you a much smaller list of tools to check out um, so that you can you know, save time, money, energy, and focus. Right, thanks for that. Adrian, got anything you'd like to recommend to the listeners and viewers? Yeah, uh, I also just want to thank John. I immediately just went and gone tested that. I know that, that cool I tool. Them. As soon as like, he mentioned the Google Insight, they were on there. I could, I could see them. All right. Very, what, very, very cool I stuff. They, I knew what they were doing, listeners and viewers. For, uh, fortunately, my homepage checks out as to what I wanted to write for. So awesome. Um, so my recommendation is Trello. Uh, for those of you who do not know what Trello is, it's uh, a very, very, very simple project management tool. Uh, and it is free, and I think you can get a lot of value out of it for the free plan, which is what we use. But you can set up, uh, what we've done is we've set up a public Trello board, which actually ranks on Google. If you want to look up the Groundhog Roadmap, uh, you can actually go and actually just find this Trello board. And literally it just has everything that we want to do and are currently working on in there. And people can go in and they can look and they can even comment. So if they have a Trello account, they can go, they can open one of the, one of the comment cards and say, hey, listen, I have a feature request or I want to add an additional note to the, the, this feature card that's currently in there, which allows us to gauge uh, feedback and, and, and actually gauge what people want in terms of features and they can vote for features. Uh, and there's just lots of cool stuff we can do and we've been using it. We're happy with it. Uh, and we're not, we're not even paying for it. So uh, you can get a lot of, uh, a lot of um, a highway out of the free version. Thanks for that, Adrian. So Sally, how can people find out more about you and your words of wisdom? You can find me on Twitter at Sally Getch. My website is WPFangirl.com, which I haven't checked yet on the natural language. And uh, the meetup is at uh, EastBayWP.com. And uh, I'm on Instagram, or rather my cats mostly are on Instagram, uh, also at Sally Getch. That's great. And John, how can people find out more about you? You can find me at my website, which is LockdownSEO.com. And also go to YouTube. And uh, search hashtag lockdown SEO. I am publishing SEO videos every single day, 365 days a year. I think I'm up to about six months now, the streak of doing that. So come on board. 
That's great. And Chris, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? You can find me at lifterlms.com. And if you've thought about building an online course or training-based membership site, go add the free Lifter LMS plugin. It's going to prompt you to install a sample course. And in that 20-minute course, it's going to show you how to get your first course up for sale and get rolling with the product. All right. Adrian, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? Uh, well, if you have Lifter LMS installed, you might or may or may, or may not want to send emails uh, to your course uh, or to your students in order to make Why sure that they're that? <laughs> taking their course and uh, and uh, upgrading to subscriptions and all that stuff. So if you need any sort of marketing automation, you want to be able to communicate with your customers easier uh, and you want to collect some uh, critical insights into the way that consumers are, are consuming your content on your site, then you can go to Groundhog with 2Gs.io in order to download our free plugin and get that installed on your site and start uh, 10xing the, the amount of content that you're able to deliver successfully to your customers. That's great. And um, if you want to view the shows the earliest possible, um, it's best to go to uh, the WP Tonic um, YouTube channel and subscribe. It's been growing rapidly lately. We're almost up to 1,100 um, subscribers. And um, I think it'll be growing some more. I'll be publishing a lot more video to it, but I've been really happy with the growth lately. Um, so go and join that, and you'll be, you'd be then be able to hear our shows the earliest, before anybody else, um, or you'll be able to hear them on, on Apple. And giving us a review on iTunes really helps the show as well, folks. So if you can go moosey there and give us a review, that'd be much appreciated. We'll be back next week discussing the latest WordPress news stories or the or internet stories with my great panel. We'll see you next week, folks. Bye. Thanks for listening to WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.